it's a, a real pleasure for me to, to talk about uh, the business of business in the UN Security Council in the context of India and Norway's um, seat on the UN Security Council starting fairly soon. Now, you've already heard from uh, my two colleagues on, on this panel uh, about the big picture uh, changing power constellations in world politics with the rise of Asian economies, competition with the US uh, and so on, and also the history of Norway's role in the UN and at the Security Council. I want to focus initially a little bit on some of the prehistory, as it were, of the formation of the UN Security Council, and then move on to a, um, an often overlooked issue with regards to the UN Security Council, which is, I think, relevant to business and the private sector. Now, the UN Security Council was an idea that was uh, shaped by the prehistory of World War II. Uh, it came from President Roosevelt with the idea of the great powers having the responsibility and the power or authority to police the world. So his idea was the four policemen. To this list of four was added a fifth France, which gave us the five veto holders in the UN Security uh, Council. In the thinking of the, uh, the planners of the UN, so the victors of, uh, after World War II, the elected members of the UN Security Council wasn't very important. It was more the result of negotiations in San Francisco when the UN Charter was uh, negotiated and used as a legitimating device for the veto-holding powers position. In the Charter it says that the Security Council's role is to secure international peace and security. It doesn't say anything about economic issues, although the Security Council has considerable uh, authority to itself interpret what constitutes a threat to international peace uh, and security. And this is why we've seen a broadening of the agenda uh, of the Security Council so that uh, you now have discussions about cyber threats, about climate change, about uh, poverty and many other issues that were not traditionally speaking part of the agenda of the UN Security Council. I mention this also because the UN Security Council, although the most important and most powerful international body, it doesn't have control over or the ability to instruct the rest of the UN system or the IMF or the World Bank. This is quite important. It, it can instruct when it makes mandates for UN peace operations, for example, and it establishes different sanctions committee on terrorism, and other issues, but it cannot instruct the rest of the UN system exactly what to do. And I'll come back to this because I think it's important in how the UN system as such implements and seeks to move forward with conflict prevention and addressing conflicts. Now, there are, I think, four principal reasons we should think more about the role of business and the private sector in the UN and also in the context of the work of the Security Council. The first has been 
raised many, many times uh, also in debates uh, in the Council, which is the role of private sector and business in creating jobs and creating the conditions necessary for job creation in post-conflict settings. And also as a measure for preventing violent conflicts, which is the core issue for the UN Security Council. In this context, I have not been able to detect much progress uh, having happened over the last, uh, let's say, two decades. Uh, it's been raised many, many times in uh, reports from the UN itself, from the World Bank, etc., that job creation and the role of business is absolutely crucial. But there has been a mismatch between the mandates from the Security Council on the one hand and the implementation of different measures on the ground in different conflict zones on the other. The second is the role of private sector and business in addressing new threats. Now, the most obvious of these is cyber threats, which has uh, now uh, become a much more important issue on the agenda for the Security Council. And the reason why the private sector is so important is that the private sector has expertise and technical skills that rivals those of most governments. Most governments have to rely on private companies to ensure that they are not attacked by, by, uh, by cyber efforts. It's also uh, increasingly important in, in the realm of uh, financing of terrorist activities, so financial institutions are absolutely critical to ensuring um, that terrorist groups or insurgents are not funded by, uh, by the transfer of, of funds from, from elsewhere. Governments and the UN Security Council are not able, will never ever be able to do that without cooperation of the private sector. Now, the third is an issue that uh, I think is quite important in this context, which is that the whole multilateral system with the UN system, the World Bank and many other of the specialized agencies under the UN, so UN, the Development Program, UNICEF, etc., etc., the World Health Organization, all of these organizations have been radically transformed over the, over the course of the last two decades because they're now reliant on voluntary and earmarked funding from governments which has in turn led them to establish partnerships with the private sector both for funds but also in the sense that these multilateral organizations or agencies they are partnering with the private sector and they're also mimicking or copying the behavior of private sector because many of the private sector operators out there in this market for development work, which is important for implementing the stuff on the agenda on the Security Council, they, these consultancies, they operate in one way. The UN agencies, they try to copy them because they constantly need more funding from governments and from private sources. So what has happened over the last two decades is that you have a convergence between the private sector model and the international public model like this so that they operate in more and more similar ways. The UN is much more dependent on the private sector to implement stuff. 
they do this through these procurement systems so that private sector consultancy, for example, implement programs for the UN or for the World Bank in a particular country. There is a vast amount of expertise and skills in the private sector that these multilateral institutions benefit from and vice versa. Which brings me to my fourth point. We've seen over the last, in particular, three to four years, a sea change in how private sector sees itself in relation to the Sustainable Development Goals. So that there is a normative change where the cost of climate change emissions, uh, the cost of violating social and other environmental norms are increasingly being incorporated into the books of private companies and they are also demanded or required to do so by uh, EU bodies. Now, taken together, this means, this means that many private actors are increasingly operating in an area that are of crucial importance to implementing many of the mandates and issues on the Security Council agenda. What is lacking, I think, is that if you compare the UN Security Council, which is, and it should also be in that way, it's a, it's a club, it's for states and states only. But the interface between the UN Security Council and the private sector is much, much less than it could be, and it's also vastly um, smaller than it is in the context of development, trade, and economics. And so having a larger interface between the UN Security Council on the one hand and private sector on the other, I think is quite important to actually be able to implement the measures that are necessary from the UN Security Council. Norway and India both have expertise and tradition to work well and closely with the private sector. And I think both Norway and India will find common ground on many key issues, both relating to the broader uh, sustainable development goals, but also on core issues uh, of, of conflict, including uh, climate change. Thank you.